And aloha, ni hao, and welcome to another episode of China, Hawaii, and You. I am your ever-faithful host, Andrew Zimmerman, and today we're going to be talking about Shen Yun, which is a really, really big theatrical production that's coming to China. With me, I'm really excited to bring in our guest, um, which is Professor Jiang. Um, Professor Jiang, do you want to give us a little bit of a self-introduction of yourself? Okay, uh, Andrew, good to be with you. Hong Jiang is my name, and uh, I teach in the Geography and Environment Department. That's a mouthful at UH Manoa. And uh, my work is on China, cultural geography, and, uh, uh, and, and some work on tea and culture in Taiwan as well. Yeah, and there's, a, there's definitely a lot of need to um, do academic research in um, Asian geography right now. I understand that you're also a member of the, I might say this wrong, so forgive me if I do, the American Association of Asian Geographers. Is, is that the name of it? Yeah, American Association of, of, of Geographers. A -A oh, just the American yeah. Association of Geographers. Okay, okay, okay. And um, yeah, so we would, uh, that's got a definitely plenty of content that we could cover on its own, but um, that's not why we're here today. We're here to talk about uh, a really, really fascinating theatrical production of Shen Yun. So for those of you who haven't seen it, um, I don't know, I don't, I guess maybe you live under a rock somewhere because they have flyers everywhere going on now. And the, every time I turn on YouTube, I see an ad, it feels like. But for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm really encouraging you right now, go on YouTube and type in Shen Yun, S-H-E-N-Y-U-N. And some of the um, some of the uh, costumes they do are just incredible. The feats of acrobatics are like just on par with Cirque du Soleil. Um, you know, some of the uh, drama that goes into it, you're just, you can't believe how much you care about these characters after only a, a minute or two sometimes. Um, but going beyond that, that I think it's a really, really cool show. I wanted to sort of ask you, what fundamentally is Shen Yun beyond a theatrical production? Um, okay, I should probably clarify a little bit of uh, my connection with Shen Yun. Uh, of course, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I've been helping to support the Shen Yun show since 2008, when it first came to Hawaii, to uh, the Blaisdell. And of course, the last two years, we didn't have any shows at all. I'm just so happy that they are coming back in March. And, and people are asking me, is that real? that Shenyin is coming back and Shenyin is coming back uh, in March. So I want to show you the flyer to, con to confirm it's coming back uh, in, uh, in March, March 26, 27 to the Blaisdell. So because my work is on Chinese culture, cultural geography, and uh, I remember seeing the show first time in 2007 in New York, I said, this is the show that we have to have in, Hon in Honolulu. We have a lot of uh, Asian cultural uh, background over here and presence over here. And people would really love the show. So the show, of course, it's a, it's a large, uh, you would say, kind of theatrical act. Uh, but it's really about uh, um, trying to uh, accentuate the essence of Chinese culture through stories and legends. And they're just countless stories from the Chinese culture. And uh, it's a show that's not only about dancing, but it has a live orchestra uh, that uh, has this animated background that's just so amazing and so unreal. It's so real that it felt like it's so unreal. 
uh, it, it just amazing feat uh, that they were able to put together. And the Shenyuan show is not produced in China. It's produced by overseas um, uh, Chinese artists. Uh, Shenyuan is based in New York. Mm -hmm. So all of the, um, it sounds like all of the mini stories, right? Because um, when I went at least, they didn't have a one continuous story that was told throughout the performance. It was uh, broken up into maybe about, I'd say a dozen mini stories, each that had their own unique characters. So um, when you have this, when you have this production with all with maybe these 10 shows and they, they're new shows every year, right? Um, so every year is, is like a totally fresh thing. Um, all of these like mini stories, they come from real Chinese legend. They're not like kind of made up every year. Yes, so they take uh, real stories from the Chinese history and culture. And uh, um, I, in, in front of me, I have this uh, uh, brochure from uh, a program book from 2019. That's when Shayin first came. And they had these uh, different stories. Uh, one of the stories would be like, uh, you know, a lot of people heard about the journey to the West, the Monkey King story. It's a long story. There's so many mini stories. And uh, the Shayin show would take one story each time, different stories, and would play that um, in maybe five to seven minutes. And it gives you this complete story through dances. So you don't need to, uh, there, there's no language during the show uh, that you just basically dance. Everybody uh, knows the language of the dance and you can all understand. And also they're just so amazing because the uh, journey to the West, uh, you, uh, the stories are uh, often about uh, these, uh, I would say fairy tale kind of stories. Uh, the monkey king would go up to the heavens and go down to the, to the ocean. And uh, Shen Yun would use the backdrop and use the music to actually present all that, which is just amazing uh, to see. Mm. So um, we have a, well, actually, we'll, we'll address the audience question in one minute, but I really, really appreciate the audience questions coming in. And um, please send us as many of them as you can, because we love engaging with the audience. But there's one thing that I wanted to talk about right before we get to that, and that's kind of the comedy and the um, sort of establishment of the Chinese folklore. One thing that I've noticed in Chinese comedy, a Chinese comedy form known as xiangshang, um, which is a really popular form of, um, uh, where, of Chinese comedy where you have like two guys and it's very kind of akin to the American who's on first thing. With, um, I forgot who, who, who did that, uh, but it was a very, the, it's very similar to who's on first where they'll use a lot of puns um, and they'll kind of like talk over each other. But the thing that makes um, Chinese comedy unique in my experience is that you don't have um, necessarily new stuff every time that people are going on. You very often, the comedy is based on already existing folklore and the appeal that people have to going to these shows for years and years and years is they wonder to themselves like I wonder how this guy or how this organization is going to tell that story I wonder how they're going to perform this joke right is that kind of something that's also going on in, within Shen Yun? Um, well Shen Yun is, is, is uh, being performed in so many different, different countries in the world so the art form that they chose to represent the Chinese cultural stories is dance. 
and through dance, it's a it's a universal language uh, that the people with different cultures and different ages can all understand. So therefore, the it's not a. Uh, the Shenyun does not have kind of a, that kind of a, a vocal-based, language-based uh, humor that you mentioned, but they do have humor. And more and more of it, when, when I see the Shenyun show came, that came uh, over the years, they have a lot of humor going on, which is just hilarious sometimes. You know, uh, they have uh, these uh, stories of uh, uh, monks uh, in a temple and the uh, these bad, bad guys, these were also based on historical stories um, of uh, different dynasties. And these enemies came and how the monks were able to deal with these, uh, um, these people through uh, a lot of martial arts uh, and dance uh, type of movements. And, uh, and you, you really laugh, uh, there's a lot of humor uh, in, in those stories, yeah. Yeah. No, I I remember being shocked at how funny it was. I don't remember ever laughing so much in a theatrical production. Like I've seen uh, Nutcracker, I've seen opera shows, um, but like you just, I just never laughed that that much. And especially when they're not actually talking. Um, you're you're. I really love how you kind of describe dance as its own language because I imagine that it might be the case that even many of the dancers don't even speak English. Uh, they're, they're mostly like a maybe second generation, third gen generation Chinese uh, with Chinese heritage. They, some of them may not speak in, uh, uh, Chinese. Um, but one thing about the Chinese dance is this. It's very, very expressive. Mm -hmm. It's different from the Western ballet. That Western ballet has so much techniques, but the Chinese has so much skill and so expressive. Uh, and that expressiveness really produced these different effects of uh, humor and drama and excitement and surprise. And all of those will be in the stories that you'll see. So you see all kinds of stories and, and some people would, would have tears, you know, I'm sure you remember some of the moving stories brought you to tears and brought you to laughter. And, and uh, yeah, in a show like, uh, like Shen Yu, you can get all of those experiences. Yeah. So, you know, it's crazy. We're actually getting um, a surprising number of audience questions for the for the show, I think. Um, and we really, really like that. But I think for the flow of the show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get through as many questions that I, I had and then I'll save about maybe the last 10 minutes. But we will get every question that's asked unless it's like inappropriate or something like that. <laughs> um, so, the next thing that I wanted to bring up with you is, um, and maybe this is not uh, this is not something that you're kind of have your nose to the ground on, but um, how is Shen Yun considering COVID nineteen? Well, because I, I imagine it must be quite concerning um, to you know with like Omicron is on fortunately on a downswing, but I imagine for a Blaisdell production it must be really concerning to think like oh gosh how are we going to do this without making a super spreader event. Uh, yeah, um, so Shenyun was not performing, didn't come here in the last two years because of COVID. And this year, Blaisdell allowed uh, theater shows to come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the, the, the first time, uh, I think they started actually uh, late last, uh, last year. And uh, right now, their requirements will be uh, proof of vaccination or uh, test negative in uh, 48 hours. And that's actually uh, very common in all theaters in the US uh, mm. that if they require anything, it will be requiring that. So mm. it's, it's, uh, it's doable. And of course uh, you wear masks uh, during the show and uh, uh, the show would have intermission that allow people to come out and stretch out. 
so wear a mask if you don't talk within the theater, which is air conditioned. It's actually pretty comfortable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I think I'm happy about that because let me tell you, nobody wants people talking in the theater anyway, especially when you're seeing a really high quality production. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to be a too big of an issue, but I'm glad that they're making considerations and following the Blaisdell guidelines. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and this is one of the things that I was, I've been thinking about recently, and I think I've talked to you about this a little bit on the phone, but, um, you know, people have been in large part locked in their houses for work for years now, right? Like, obviously, we still get out um, to do what we uh, do what we can. People are variously willing to take risks based on, you know, how concerned they are about COVID. Um, but one of the things that I think really bugged me about what um, one of the negative effects of COVID lockdowns, right, is it kind of turned a lot of our lives into screen into like really screen heavy? So pre-COVID, right? Uh, I think estimates su suggested that human beings spend like something like eight or nine hours a day looking at a screen of some kind, whether or not that's um, a cell phone or a TV or a laptop. You can add all these together, and it really makes up a shocking percent of your day. That And that's no, pretty much no matter what you do, right? So if you're a lawyer, then you're going to be spending eight or nine hours a day reading legal documents on your on your computer. If you're a doctor and maybe a, or a medical student, then maybe you have to spend a lot of time reading up on charts, reading up on medical procedures, reading up on... But regardless, it's almost always going to come through a computer, maybe less than a lawyer, but still a lot. Engineers, oh my gosh, you don't want to think about how much engineers got to stay our computer all day. And so... One of the things that I've kind of been wondering about, right, is what kinds of ways can we break this, right? How can we sort of break this dynamic of people being on a screen all the time? And one of the things that I've come to think about, Shenyun, and one of the reasons that I'm really excited about it is because I think that getting people off of a screen and seeing something genuinely happen before their eyes is going to be incredible. And, you know, obviously real life will never be as exciting as like Star Wars or, or, or some, or, or some, or some, you know, imagined fantasy. But the thing about Shen Yun that really, really blew my mind is it feels like Hollywood level quality of visual effects, but it's happening right in front of you. You know what I'm saying? What do you what do you oh, what do you think of, what do you think about live productions in that way? Uh, definitely, I, I think it, it's interesting. Um, after this lockdown, we really are uh, thirsty of something that that we can we can be in we can be experiencing. And when I talk to people about Shenyang coming, they say, "Oh my God, is it real?" And you can hear the excitement. And people keep saying Shenyang is a feast to the eye and feast to the heart. And it's even more so now because uh, you are experiencing something that's really colorful that the screen can never ever represent mm -hmm. of uh, like uh, the experience of uh, being in a live show. Um, not only the, the colors, the, 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 uh, the dance, the dancers, you can see their expressions, just the energy coming from the stage is something that nothing can replace, no screen can replace. 
And that's where I, I think this is a wonderful opportunity. I'm just so happy that Shen Yun is, is coming here. Um, and it, it is a feast to the eye, feast to the, to the heart. Yeah, no, yeah, nothing is gonna make you, but like, I think actually I would go so far as to say like, once you see something like Shen Yun, Netflix is boring. Like you oh, just- exactly. <laughs> Completely. I mean, I keep saying, describing to people, people see the commercials, the 30 second commercial, 50 second commercial. They say, oh, that's so beautiful. I've seen it. I say, you know, uh, after you see the live show, you know, it's a thousand times better. It, you just can't describe it. You just have to be there. And the colors, the costumes, uh, the stories, that's so absorbing. And you're just being part of something so big. And uh, everybody's commenting on, I'm sure you, you've seen the show, you, you, you remember the colors, the, yeah. the, the, so vibrant and so colorful. And uh, it's, it's a color that you just don't see on the screen or anywhere. You just have to see the live show. Not only, uh, and, and plus you have all these stories uh, from uh, different periods and different locations of Chinese culture. It's almost like a magical journey through Chinese culture. And uh, I should mention that Shen Yun is uh, based in the US and it doesn't go to China for various reasons. Mm. Yeah, so we'll, we'll actually, um, we'll go into that um, in just a little bit, but there's one last question that I wanted to ask you about, and then um, we'll move into the audience questions because some of the audience questions are actually talking about um, political implications. So we will go into that. Um, but the, the very last thing that I had written down that I wanted to ask was um, kind of on the history of Chinese people and the way that they have imagined theater and the way that they like uh, experience theater through their traditions. So we talked a little bit about um, Chinese xiangsheng uh, crosstalk, uh, but if I was to see Shen Yun, right, is there some, if, and then I went to China, is you're not gonna find Shen Yun there, but are you gonna find like, some kind of show that feels like Shen Yun? In other words, like, are you gonna find some kind of show that would, would operate in China that like still has the dancing and the cultural stories and all of those things? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say you can't find a show like that inside China, like Shen Yun inside China, but you can find components of it. Shen Yun is uh, uh, dance-wise, you'll find some connections with traditional Chinese forms like a uh, core dance. It's, it's, it's uh, the core dance uh, and also uh, the folk dancing and martial arts. You can see components of the uh, classical Chinese dance in all those components. And uh, of course, you can also see some of the stories being played out. But the music part is something that you don't see anywhere in the world. It, it's a, a full orchestral music. And uh, it's also combining Eastern and Chinese, uh, Chinese and Western musical instruments in a whole, uh, in a whole uh, uh, kind of a complete uh, orchestra. And that's actually Shaman's only invention that you don't see it. And to see the backdrop uh, connected that set the scene and uh, set the scenery for the whole entire story and the music and uh, live music and the dance all together in this kind of representation, um, you don't see anywhere in the world, not in such mm. either. You know, in, in researching the show, um, I heard somewhere, and I have no idea if this is true, that um, for the music that they that they hire out, because they, uh, they hire all kinds of musicians, right? I heard that, um all of the performers whether they're uh 
dancers, whether they're, uh, you know, playing, like even the, even the Westerners in, in the orchestra, they all have to, in some sense, be a part of um, Falun Dafa. Is that true? Um, I can't answer that question because I'm not part of uh, that. Okay. Uh, all I know is this, their dancers are, uh, the, the dancers are what you, what you see, right? So right. they really focus on traditional Chinese ways and life uh, before the, the modern impact, before impact mm -hmm. influence from communism. So right. they want to have a, a, a traditional presentation uh, of the stories and their belief in my understanding is that mm -hmm. to present the story in the traditional way you live the traditional way so meditation mm -hmm. is part of the dancers daily routine and that's why they can so focus when they perform that's part of uh, uh, you know the meditation from Falun Dafa was supporting them in their dance training that's what I understand I'm not gotcha. sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know much about the performers. But, you know, think about Chinese culture. If a Falun Dafa, another name is a Falun Gong. And uh, if the beliefs of Falun Gong is about being truthful, being compassionate, being tolerant, it's about uh, uh, the Chinese traditional cultural values. Um, I can understand why they would highlight that. Because, uh, again, to present the stories, you need to live it. Um, that actually wonderfully transitions in me into the audience questions here. Now, this is so for my part, right? Because this is um, this is this is uh, my platform. Um, I consider this a free speech platform. So say whatever you say whatever you like, and you don't necessarily you don't have to hold back on my account, but you don't have to say anything that you don't want to talk about if that's not okay. But one of the questions is. Um, what are the political implications of the Shen Yun show? I know it doesn't play in China, but what about other parts of the world? It plays uh, all other parts of the world, but not mm. in China, and not in China controlled Hong Kong. And it mm. plays in, in, in Taiwan, uh, multiple shows, uh, many other parts of the world. Um, in Hong Kong, there was uh, once uh, uh, a show planned and tickets uh, sold, and the Chinese government pulled the plug. Uh, mm. And partly because, you know, uh, the uh, implication of Falun Gong being suppressed in China and also um, that the show is uh, showing, is oftentimes would show a story uh, of the, uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, communist government's uh, suppression of a traditional culture. And of course, that the Chinese government didn't like to see that. And the show also mm. wanted to highlight Chinese culture before the influence of communism. And that's another thing that uh, perhaps uh, you understand uh, that uh, the Chinese government didn't like to, to have Chinese people see inside China, but Chinese right. people all over the world uh, can see it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, even when I went, the show, um, the show was uh, explicitly, uh, I don't know if I would use the, it was definitely anti-party or the anti-government. Um, I, uh, there's less, I remember less so about um, talking about communism, like as opposed to capitalism, for example, but it was certainly anti-party. Um, but that but that kind of uh, leads me into one more question that I wanted to ask kind of on that point. And then we'll get to our one last audience question and we'll wrap it up. So we got two questions left. And so my question that I would kind of pin on that, right, is, you know, when I was in China, uh, one of the memories I have is I'd walk by a church every day, 
um and like you know it usually was fairly busting i always wanted to go but unfortunately i worked sundays right um you know i knew people that um were uh were muslim and were practicing like chinese um chinese muslims um like living outside of xinjiang um and so what i wanted to ask is while the chinese government right no, no one could say that it's particularly friendly to religion right that's 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 of course true um it seems to me that falun gong See, um, seems to have particularly drawn ire from it. So what I would want to know is how is it possible that a domestic Chinese, uh, I don't know if you call it a religion, but um, we'll use that word in, in lieu of something else. How is it that it has drawn seemingly significantly more ire than these foreign Western religions would, especially when it used to be quite popular? Uh, it's a good question, and, and uh, one thing, let's uh, just come back about the connection between Falun Gong and uh, the Shen Yun Shou, uh, that the Shen Yun Shou does show a certain act of uh, the suppression of Chinese culture uh, by the Communist Party. But I wouldn't say it's anti-anything, because that's not what Shen Yun is trying to present. Um, it's not about uh, a political message, it's, 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 it's really about the cultural message. And if you talk about Chinese culture before communism, that itself can be seen as a very political. Mm -hmm. And inside China, you know, how come the Falun Gong drew so much attention? It's really about the sheer number, I, I believe, because in 1999, when Falun Gong started, when the government in China started to persecute Falun Gong, there were about uh, uh, 70 to 100 million people practicing Falun Gong, including party members. You can kind of imagine that the uh, the party uh, established establishment uh, saw this as a you know in a negative way because uh, it could potentially uh, uh, overpower the influence of the party. And that's one thing. The other thing is uh, uh, it's a group that's really kind of grassroots. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's so many places you can find them, and it's not outside, not inside of any particular organization that the, the government can control. So those were some of the elements that, that led to this uh, really kind of a negative uh, uh, treatment of Falun Gong by the government in China. Okay, that's interesting. So um, we have um, one last audience question that I'll let you answer, and then um, one, and then one question that I'll answer because um, I happen to see the show and I know the answer to it. Um, so the audience question for you that, that's left because we have about two or three minutes left is, what about Taiwan? Does the show play in Taiwan? And as you just said, yes, it does. Do you know anything in particular going on about the uh, operations there? Um. Not about the operation, but the, yeah, the show goes to Taiwan in all different major cities there every year. That's all I know. Very, very cool. And then, so the very last question is, um, in the Shen Yun show, I saw a few years ago, they had a very special way of disappearing into the background. The players would jump behind the wall at the back of the stage, then fly off into the background. It was amazing. How did they do that? I happen to know the answer to this question because I was sitting at the front. Um, and so what I saw was that they would sort of jump off the stage, right? But they would time their jump so well that the screen in the background was actually like an electronic version of them, but it was like near photorealistic, right? And so they would jump off the background and then you'd see like somebody flying over a rainbow or something, but actually it was just the electronic screen fl um, person flying over the rainbow. And so they implemented 
the electric screen background with the stage really, really well. I think that was probably my favorite part, actually. Uh, that's like a magical, that's like taking people to this magical realm of yeah, a different yeah. place and different time. And it's just amazing. Yeah. It's all happening. It's technical, though. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure there's a whole lot more we could talk about uh, about Shen Yun. And then I know the uh, I, we could spend hours easily discussing like its uh, political implications and how uh, how they do certain things in the show. But unfortunately, we are running out of time. So I wanted to say thank you very, very much to Dr. Zhang for joining us today. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening, and giving out some questions. We're very, very excited to talk to you guys next week, uh, not next week, but two weeks from now on another episode of China, Hawaii, and you. Thank you very much, Dr. Zhang. Thank you very much. Glad to be here.